If I were to ask you a question and you were going to be brutally honest with me, not give me the answer that you think I want because I'm a pastor, not give me the answer that you think is the right answer because you're a Christian, but if you were brutally honest and you were to answer this question, and here it is, do you find your life of faith exciting? Are you energized as you live for the Lord and the things of God? Or do you find being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, maybe boring or tedious or somewhat um, just, eh, it's blasé. There's, it doesn't do anything for me. I'm just kind of going through the motions. I think if we sat down and were really honest with each other, the majority of you would say, yeah, I find it somewhat boring, somewhat routine, somewhat tedious. The reason I say that is because study after study, uh, survey after survey have, has uh, revealed to us that the vast majority, over 70% of people who identify as a follower of Christ, find that their spiritual life is not dynamic, it is not energizing, it is not exciting. Uh, and so what do we do? We try and energize it. We try and excite ourselves by doing things like going to conferences, going to concerts, uh, waiting for the new book to come out, finding some uh, video online or some blog that we can read, hoping that some sermon that we hear uh, or some weekend away will somehow be that thing that energizes our faith. And they do. They, those things absolutely do. The problem is they don't last right? We, we go to the conference, we go to the concert, we read the book, we hear the new song, and we're energized. And then a day, a week, a month, three months later, we forget what we heard, we forget what we read, we forget the experience, and we find ourselves back in the tediousness of what it feels like our relationship with God is. But that's not what the Lord wants for us. God wants us to live an energized, exciting life. The reason I think so many of us lack that is because, as we've talked about through this series, we live a spiritual or a Holy Spirit deficient or deprived life. We're meant to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, energizing us day in and day out. Not living from experience to experience, but day in and day out, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in us and through us, energizing us and exciting us, saying, this is the greatest adventure I could ever be on. And one of the ways that God wants to work through us in those dynamic uh, uh, aspects is through the use of spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit wants to give a gift to you, and he wants you to use that gift in a way that energizes you, that is exciting, and that leads you on an amazing adventure to make a huge impact for his kingdom. And so instead of operating on our own strength, we operate in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you hear this term spiritual gifts or gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's used interchangeably throughout the Bible or even um, uh, just the gifts Whatever that term is, you hear that and you go, that, that's just a wee bit strange to me. I, I don't know what that means. I'm not familiar with that. I'm not really comfortable because I'm not sure what you're talking about. And that's okay. Listen, we're 2,000 years into church history. But 2,000 years ago, they weren't familiar with the term either. And they were confused by it. And they had questions about it. And so Paul, who was one of the apostles, was writing to a church that he helped start in the city of Corinth. And he makes this statement to them. He says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. He didn't want them to be uninformed then. He doesn't want us to be uninformed today. 
It is critically important for us to understand what the gifts of the Spirit are, how they function, how they're meant to operate in our lives, because that is the source of what makes being a Christian exciting, the Holy Spirit inside of us, working through us. So what is a spiritual gift? And this is not going to be a teaching on what all the gifts of the Spirit are. This is going to be more, how do we begin to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? But what is a spiritual gift? What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? So this is the Pastor Justin definition. You're not going to find this in a book anywhere. You may not like my definition. That's fine. You can make up your own. Um, but just know that this is right and yours is wrong. No. Um, so here it is. A spiritual gift is a Holy Spirit given and enabled ability used for the cause of Christ. It is given to us by the Holy Spirit. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and it operates as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, moving in us and through us to advance the cause of Christ, to build his church, to advance his kingdom, to see people come to faith, and to help grow in their faith. So the Holy Spirit moving in us, operating through us as we cooperate with him, there is an aspect of spiritual gifts, therefore, that is mysterious in nature. Because it is that line where the um, supernatural and the natural rub together. It's that moment where the divine spirit of God works through the natural mechanisms of humanity. And so there is an aspect that it's mysterious. It's, 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 I can't explain all of it. But what I can tell you is that the Holy Spirit has a gift for you. If you are a follower of Christ, he has a gift he wants to give you. And you receive that gift when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But he has a gift for you. Everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has a gift he wants to give you. This is what Paul wrote later to the church in Corinth. He said there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same spirit is the source of all of them. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us. It is the spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So the Holy Spirit, God, the third person of the triune Godhead. We talked about that in the beginning of this series, the Trinity. He looked and said, now, you, I know what I've created you for. You know, the plans and the purposes I have for your life, and I have a special gift that I've picked out for you. He wants to give you that gift. He wants you to operate in that gift. Now, spiritual gifts sometimes will, um, will be in line with your natural gifts, your natural talents, but they're not the same. Uh, so you may be uh, naturally gifted in a certain area and have a spiritual gift that seems to line up with that, but it's over and above your natural gifts, talents, and abilities. It gives you uh, the strength and the power to do something that you couldn't do naturally on your own. And so the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I want to operate through you. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come in and take over. If we want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, we have to realize they are given by the Holy Spirit. As he selects, he operates through us. But I told you, it's as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts operate through us as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. In other words, they're not forced upon us. The Holy Spirit offers them. There are moments and times where we operate in those gifts because we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And there are other times where we may not. 
the, the Lord is gracious. He's, he's kind. He lets us make that choice. He doesn't force us. So when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, if you've ever heard someone say, I just, I have this word, I have to share it. I can't, I can't hold, I can't, I can't hold myself back. I have to, I have no choice. I'm just telling you, okay, take this to the bank. They that is not the Holy Spirit making them to do something. They may be operating from a point of immaturity, saying, I'm doing this. They may be operating from a point of emotion. I just I get caught up in the moment, and I don't feel like I can control myself. They may be operating uh, out of uh, just human nature. They may be operating from a spirit that isn't the spirit of God. But they're not, if they can't control themselves, then it's not being led by the Spirit. Because what is one of the fruit of the Spirit? Self-control. The gifts of the Spirit flow best where the fruit of the Spirit are growing. So if the Holy Spirit says, I'm giving you self-control, he's not going to say, at the same time, I'm going to remove your self-control. God's not schizophrenic. So Paul puts it like this when he's writing to the church in Corinth as well. He says, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So if God gives you a word, he also gives you the ability to wait to share that word at the right time, in the right place, in the right season. If someone says, I couldn't control myself, we don't, I don't need to listen to anything they have to say. It doesn't mean what they have to say isn't from God. It means that they are not being led by the spirit at that point. So if you're at a church service and someone gets up and just starts screaming out something, they're, they're, they can't control themselves. That's not God's spirit leading them to do that. Somebody comes up to me or one of the pastors and says, hey, if, during worship, during the message, during this time of prayer before, I just felt like God gave me this word, and I don't know if it's for the church, but I just, I just want to share it, and, and you let me know if, if it's something you want me to share to the church, and we pray about it and say yes, or we say no, then great. They're operating, being led. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So what is, what is it that makes us reticent to embrace the gifts of the Spirit? I think one of the reasons why so many of us um, kind of say, I don't really want anything to do with the gifts of the Spirit, it may be because we're uninformed, and we're going to talk about that. But the other part may be just because we've made the gifts of the Spirit weird. Now, I just want to say, and I believe this at the core of who I am, the gifts of the Spirit, please hear me, they are not weird. What's weird are people. <laughs> and so what happens is someone who's weird, they come to faith in Jesus Christ, they turn to him as Lord and Savior and forgiver and leader, and it's wonderful. But you know what happens? That weird person who is now saved is still weird. God doesn't eradicate weirdness, that's their personality. So that same person now receives the filling of the Holy Spirit. They receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. And as they operate in the gift of the Spirit, you know what still comes out? Their weirdness. So don't mistake a weird person who makes the gifts weird as that is the nature of the gifts. The gifts are not weird. Embrace and rest in the mystery of the gifts of the Spirit. Dismiss the weirdness. But don't dismiss the gifts. They are what makes the Christian life energized and exciting. I can't imagine my life. I, I'm I would not be a pastor today. I probably wouldn't be a Christian today if it weren't for the gifts of the Spirit operating in me because it would be a miserable life. 
I mean, I've met people, and they just make it all about everything, the rules and following this, and there's no life in that. It's supposed to be exciting and energizing. It's supposed to be a grand adventure. And that's what God wants to lead you and me and all of us on. So receive, embrace, accept the gifts of the Spirit. So how do we do this? How do we walk in the gifts of the Spirit? So I want to walk through three things that are critical. The first is this. If you want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you need to receive your spiritual gift. So I told you, God has a gift for everyone. He's got it. The Holy Spirit is picked out. It's a hand-picked, curated gift just for you. But you have to receive it. What good does it do if it's sitting there on a shelf if you've never received it? So how do we receive the gifts of the Spirit? I've mentioned this a little bit, but I want to touch on it again in this series. Is that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. You can't be a follower of Jesus and, and not have the Holy Spirit inside of you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. It also tells us that the Holy Spirit is the sign and seal of the covenant. If you are in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit. Jesus, before he was crucified, uh, was gathered with a bunch of his followers, and he says, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. He says, and he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus didn't lie. They received the Holy Spirit. But then later on, after his death and resurrection, he says to them, don't leave Jerusalem. Just hang out here. Wait, wait, wait until you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, until the Holy Spirit fills you to overflowing so that you're walking in power. Then go out and be my witnesses to all the world. So there is, as we talked about last week, a difference between having the Holy Spirit within you. It's not the same as having the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. So whether you want to call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, a second work of grace, I don't care. But I'm telling you, there is a difference between what you receive at that time of salvation and then coming to a point of receiving the filling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see it all throughout the New Testament. And it happens, and I don't know why, but it happens as um, a, a, a someone who has been anointed by God lays their hands on someone else, and there is a, a, a transference, a, an anointing. I don't, I don't, I'm not telling, it's not anything about that person. It's the Holy Spirit inside that person that, that fills them. They, they lay their hands on them and pray, receive the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And something supernatural happens. The only time it happened without the laying on of hands was on the day of Pentecost. And the reason it happened like that on the day of Pentecost was there's no one who had been filled with the Holy Spirit up to that point. But from then on after, it always happens through the laying on of hands. So we see this in Acts chapter 11. We, we talked about these folks last week. They had come to faith. Paul visited them. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So he begins to explain to them. He said, well, then what were you baptized into? We were baptized into John's baptism. So he baptizes them in the name of Jesus. After that, it says this. Then Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So two of the gifts that manifest in their lives at that moment were the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. That doesn't mean everyone who gets filled with the Spirit has a gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy, but it means they did. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they received their spiritual gifts. Later on, a different point in the Bible, in Acts chapter 8, uh, Peter and John are hanging out, and they're walking around, and they, they meet these people who came to faith, and it says they laid their hands on them and prayed that they would receive the Holy Spirit. So that is the dynamic that happens. If you want to receive a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has picked for you, 
It happens when you say, I want to receive that second work of grace, that filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it is so important. It's, it, it's essential if you're going to accomplish all that God has planned and purposed for your life. Because he says, I picked this out for you. I know exactly the, the, the road I'm going to lead you on. I know the places you're going to go. I know the people you're going to meet. I know the things I want you to do. And I've got this gift for you because it's going to help you make the maximum impact you can in this life of faith. So why wouldn't we want to receive all that God has for us? Don't think of it as weird. It's not weird. It's God saying, I want to empower you. So the first thing you have to do is receive your gift. The next thing you need to do is this. You need to discover your spiritual gift, right? If you receive a gift from someone on, on your birthday or on Christmas, you got to open it up. I've got the gift, but now I need to open it. I need to discover what's in there. The God who spoke everything into creation and desired you so much that he willed you to exist has now said, I have a gift that I've given you. You've been filled with my Holy Spirit. Here's this gift. Don't you want to open it up and know what it is? Don't you want to walk in the fullness of this? It is very, very difficult to walk in the full um, dynamic of the spiritual gift you've been given if you don't know what your spiritual gift is. I mean, there are times when you can um, kind of stumble your way through it and you're functioning in a spiritual gift that you didn't even know you had, but how much more dynamic it is when you say, I know this is my gift, and so I'm going to begin to discover that. I'm going to walk in it. It's going to be dynamic in nature. That's what God wants for us. So how do you discover your spiritual gift? There's a few ways. One is talk to the people in your life that are leaders, that are mentors, that know you, that, that your, your connect group leaders, your pastors, those that know you, that are helping you grow spiritually. They have insights into your life, and they may say, hey, I think, I believe that one of your spiritual gifts is, and they'll point it out to you. Another way is do what we talked about last week. Pray in the Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him to lead you and guide you. Open your eyes. Holy Spirit, would you show me what gift is it that you've given me? I want you to understand as you read the Bible, ask him to open your eyes. He'll reveal that to you. Another way is you could take a spiritual gifts test, an assessment. They're available all over the internet. We have one right on our website that I would just point you to. Go to hickoryridge.online slash gifts. It's a short little assessment. It takes about 15 minutes to fill out, but now, now, now is not the time. I know some of you are thinking, gives me something to do. Um, no, it takes about 15 minutes, and it'll help you, give you an idea of what your spiritual gifts may be. So you, you discover them so that you can walk in them, so that you can make the impact that God desired and desires for you to make, because he created you with a plan and a purpose. Now, here's the thing so often, and, this, and I see this, and it breaks my heart, is that people will say, okay, um, I, I, I've prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to discover what my gift is. And what happens is we don't want to really discover what our gift is. We want a specific gift. So we look at someone else and say, they've got the gift of healing. They've got the gift of miracles. They've got the gift of words of knowledge. They've got the gift of prophecy. I want those gifts. But God says, I'm giving you the gift of serving. I'm giving you the gift of giving. Who wants that gift? I mean, people give supernaturally. See, nobody says they want that gift. And I, I'm always shocked by that. And I'll tell you why. If God gives you the gift of giving, you know what he's going to give you first? Resources to give. 
He's not going to ask you to give something you don't have. So why? (laughs) Oh, I want the gift of giving. Here's the problem with that. If he gives you resources and he gives you the gift of giving, you know what you have to do? Give. Um, So maybe that's why we don't give. We want the stuff we don't want to give. But, you know, if if you want God to trust you with great wealth, ask him for the gift of giving. And I'm telling you, if he gives it to you, he'll give you wealth. But you better give. So, um, but what happens is we look and say, I want that gift and that gift. And so we don't really want to discover what God's given us. We want to gripe about what we don't have. So here's my uh, encouragement to you. Stop thinking about what God hasn't given you and begin to discover what he has given you. Because he's given you a gift. But I didn't get He's given, he picked this gift. The God of all creation said, I want this for you. It's not what I wanted. He knows what you need. He's going to give it to you. So, first thing is receive your gift. The second thing is discover your gift. Open it up. Begin to understand what it is. And, the, and, and let me just mention this. Some of you may say, well, I, I know what my spiritual gifts are. I took an assessment years ago. I, 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 I prayed about it. God revealed it to me. Take the assessment again. Ask God to give you new and deeper insight. Ask him to reveal if he's got another gift for you because he's got at least one gift for everyone. Sometimes he has more than one gift for you. And sometimes what he's given you at that time in that season in life is going to change because now you're in a new time in a new season in life. And so the gift he's given you may not be the gift that he's always going to leave with you. He may say, hey, I want to make an exchange with you. And listen, that is hard. I know guys that have been gifted in certain areas, and then all of a sudden God says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to change. I want to I exchange that gift for a different gift. And it's very difficult for them because it means changing how they see themselves. But if you're willing to embrace that newness that God has for you, he'll lead you on a great adventure. So receive your gift, discover your gift. And the third and most important thing is this, use your spiritual gift. What good does it do that you've got the gift, you've opened it, and then you have it sitting there on a shelf unused? God wants you to use your gifts. He wants us to operate in the gifts. And part of that means that we grow in our gifting. We strengthen it. We, we develop it, right? It's like our human muscles. We don't just all of a sudden get looking strong and buff like Matt Borders. Um, you got to work to look like that, dude. Um, no, you, you got to train yourself. You got to exercise to strengthen your muscles. It's the same way with spiritual gifts. You have to exercise them. You have to train them. You have to develop them. You have to get more and more competent in them. That's why in the Bible it talks about those who are trained in righteousness through constant use are able to discern good from evil with constantly using, consistently exercising those spiritual gifts allow us to become more proficient in them. So let's just say, for example, you have the spiritual gift of teaching. Now, all that means is that God enables you by his Holy Spirit to bring clarity through teaching spiritual truths in a way that uh, is very easy to understand. So you know you have that if someone ever says to you, or, or not just one person, but if people say to you, you know, I've always struggled with understanding this in the Bible. It never made sense to me. But when you explained it, it just was so clear. It just made so much sense. That's the gift of teaching. So if you have that spiritual gift, you have to grow in that spiritual gift. So in other words, you can't say, I've got the spiritual gift of teaching. I don't therefore need to prepare. I don't need to put any work into anything. I can just show up, step up on a platform, and give an amazing teaching. That may happen. I'm not saying, I I know the moments that that's happened. 
But if you do that all the time, you don't grow in your gifting, you don't uh, develop the ability to communicate, there's going to be times when you get up and say a whole lot of nothing. I'm just going to record a little video, and I'm going to put it out on YouTube, and it's going to go viral, and it's going to open up all these doors for me. And then you go back and watch the video, and you go, what in the world was I even saying? It was, in, it was just, I'm a, just rambling on about nothing. Nobody wants to hear that, not even your mother. So she'll tell you you did a good job. Mom, you watching? Um, but nobody wants to hear that. So growing, but that's, that's, that's not just for that gift, that's for every spiritual gift. We need to train in them, we need to practice them, we need to become more proficient in them. That's why Paul, writing to a young spiritual leader named Timothy, told him this, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. Again, through that transference that somehow there's an anointing that's passed, the Holy Spirit is moved uh, in that filling of the Holy Spirit. But he says, there was a gift that was given to you in that moment. Fan it into flame, use it, exercise it, develop it, become more uh, competent in it because it will help you to be more effective. So in other words, you will grow in your gift the more you use it, and the more you use it, the more you'll grow in it, and the more you grow in it, the more you'll use it. So exercise it. Use that gift. And here's the thing. The gift of the Spirit is meant to be used, um, not exclusively, but primarily in the context of the body of Christ, in the church. Now, the church is an interesting thing. It comes from a Greek word, ekklesia, or ecclesia, depends on how you want to pronounce it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it was an interesting term. It's, it, it literally means, it's a Greek term, it literally means the called out ones. But in Jesus' day, it was a very common term. It referred to any group of people who were gathered together. That's why it's so important to gather together as a church. Any group of people that were gathered together for a specific purpose or mission. So Jesus seized that term. And he said, I'm going to apply it to a group of people, my followers, who are on a very, very, very specific and yet world-altering, life-changing mission. And when they gather together, they are meant to be called out to make a difference. And when you come together, I want you to function in your gifts. You are a body of Christ. So Jesus said, now, my church, my body, this expression now, I am seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, but the local church is my body, and it is going to be the primary way through which I impact and carry out my mission on earth. So gather together and use your gifts together for the advancement of the kingdom. We are a body. Here, and that, that idea is found throughout the New Testament. Here's one example in Romans it says, a body is made up of many parts, and each of them has its own use. That's how it is with us. There are many of us, but we are each part of the body of Christ as well as part of one another. We are interconnected. That's why the gifts of the Spirit flow together. God has also given each of us a different gift to use. So we all come together as one body, each part belonging to each other. So we are not in this as just isolated islands. we come together and our gifts are used. And as we gather together and use our gifts, as they flow together, as we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit, we make a greater and greater and greater impact in the world around us. So think about it in the natural, right? If, if I was at a stadium, at a, a football stadium, seats 75, 100,000 people and it's night and it's dark and I take a single 100 watt bulb and I hang that in the air. It's not going to light up that field. 
the, the amount of light that that will generate is going to be limited. But if you take hundreds, thousands of light bulbs and you bring them all together, you can light up that entire stadium. And that's how the church is meant to be. That all together, the gifts of the Spirit flowing in dynamic ways, make an impact that can light up a community, that can change a world, that can impact an entire region and ultimately the entire uh, course of human history. And it has, and it's meant to, but it's by the operation of the gifts of the Spirit coming together, working together in harmony. So Paul the last verse we're going to look at. Paul said this again to the church in Corinth. He said, when you meet together, when you gather as a church called out for a unique mission and purpose, when you gather together, there's going to be a lot of gifts that are manifest. He doesn't list them all. This isn't exhaustive and this isn't prescriptive. You have to have these every time you meet as a church. He's saying this is kind of how the dynamic will look one person's going to have a song, another a teaching, another has a new truth from God, another speaks in a different language, another person still has the interpretation of that language. The purpose of all these things should be to help the church grow so that people are strengthened in their faith and those that are there that are considering faith, that haven't come to that point in faith, are led to a profession of faith, who come to the point of giving their life to Jesus. Spiritual gifts operating together lead people to faith and to grow in their faith. That is the point of spiritual gifts, operating in the church in powerful ways. It's not an individual thing as much as it's a corporate thing, but each of us individually have to decide, will we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit? So let me give you an example, a beautiful example of how this plays out. Uh, it's a story from the life of uh, Tony Campolo. Uh, he was invited to speak, this is a number of years ago, at a church service about four hours from where he lived, and he accepted the invitation. Before the service, um, it was an evening service, before the service, uh, a group of people said, hey, we want to pray with you, Pastor, before, before the service, that God would move, hearts would be touched, lives would be changed, be powerful move of the Holy Spirit. He said, that would be great. So they met there uh, in the back room praying, and he says, as we're praying, and we prayed for a good you know, 20 minutes, half hour. As we're praying, he said, I kept opening my eyes and noticing this one guy who just, he, I don't know what he was doing. He wasn't praying for me. He said, just, he had this, he was kind of standing off to the side, had this real, like, intense, uh, almost pained look on his face, looked kind of quizzical. And, and, and he just was standing off there and finished praying and I didn't think much of it. We're about to exit the room and go into the auditorium, get ready for service. And the guy pulls me to the side and says, Pastor, can I just talk to you for a quick moment before service? He said, sure. What's, is everything all right? He said, yeah, everything's fine. I just, the entire time we were praying, just, just felt that God was giving me a word of knowledge that I needed to share with you. And I don't, I don't know what this is going to mean to you. He said, well, go ahead and share it. He said, I know a guy named Charlie Stoltzfus, and Charlie, his marriage is struggling, and I just sense that God was telling me he's getting ready to leave his wife and his three children. He said, Charlie just lives up the road, mile up the road on the right-hand side in a silver trailer. I don't know why I need to tell you this, but I just felt like God wanted you to know that. I don't know if he's going to be here tonight. I don't know, you know, if you're supposed to speak to him, but... I just wanted to share that with you. He said, 
great. Thank you so much. Off they went. Service went wonderful. Charlie wasn't there. He kind of forgot about Charlie. It was a great message, great sermon, great series, great uh, impact. People were moved. Ministry happened. Service is done. He gets in his car and heads on the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike, heading home. He says he's about six or seven miles or so out of town. And as he's driving, he sees there on the turnpike a guy uh, hitching a ride, got his thumb out, trying to hitch a ride. Tony says, I have the gift of mercy. And I just felt like that gift of mercy kicked in and I should stop and offer the guy a ride. So I pulled off, guy hopped in, off we drove. And he says, as we head off down the road, and he says, I just introduced myself. He said, hi, my name is uh, Tony Campola. Can I ask your name? He said, yeah, my name is uh, Charlie Stoltzfus. Tony, oh, Charlie, it's great to meet you. About a half mile up the road, there's an exchange on the turnpike. He pulls off, turns around and starts heading back to town. Charlie gets a little nervous. He says, uh, excuse me, sir, where are you taking me? He said, I'm taking you home. You just left your wife and your kids, didn't you? Charlie looked at him somewhat stunned and said, yeah. He said, well, I'm bringing you back. Charlie sat there in silence as they drove the seven or eight miles or so back to town. And then he was completely shocked as Tony pulls right into his trailer a mile up the road from the church on the right-hand side. He pulls in there and he says, sir, how did you know this? And how did you know where I live? He says, God told me. At that, his wife comes out the door, sees Charlie, says, you've come home, you've come back. Tony opens the door, introduces himself, and he says, listen, you two need to know something. My name is Tony. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. And God has something he wants to share with you and you're gonna listen. They walk in the house, sit down, and he begins to tell them about God's great love for them, about who Jesus is, about his plan and his purpose for their life, about the healing and restoration that he could bring into their lives and into their marriage. And that night they gave their lives to Christ, they invited Jesus into their marriage and God to be the leader of their home. Why? Because the gifts of the Spirit flowed together, one man operating in the gift of a word of knowledge and another man operating through his gift of mercy. So my question is, are you experiencing that? Because you're meant to. You and I are meant to, and we don't use the gifts that God's given us. We are wasting those gifts. We say that in human terms all the time. When a painter doesn't paint, we say, what a waste. When a singer doesn't sing, we say, what a waste. When an author doesn't write, we say, it's such a waste. What does God say when he says, you don't use the very gifts I've given you? See, the church is meant to be, you and I are meant to be at the forefront of God's mission to bring hope to this world. And when the church comes together and we do that, it is a beautiful thing. When the gifts of the Spirit flow, we make an immeasurable impact that changes things. We bring hope to the hurting. We bring healing to the broken. We build bridges of reconciliation. We bring uh, love to those who have been forsaken. We break the bonds of bondage and addiction. We open our arms wide to those who have been forgotten. We, uh, we offer belonging to those who feel marginalized. When the church operates like that, we bring truth where truth needs to be shared. We bring wisdom where it's needed. We bring knowledge and understanding. We bring miracles of healing and wholeness through the miracle working power of God where the impossible becomes possible. But it's only through the gifts of the Spirit. We are meant 
to be light in the darkness. We're meant to be hope to the hopeless. We're meant to be that source that no matter what the human condition is, no matter the level of suffering or pain, the church gathered together, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, is meant to bring holding, meant to bring wholeness and healing and hope to those situations. But it's not on our own. It's only through the Holy Spirit. It's why it drives me crazy when people that are Christians talk about the church as if they could take it or leave it. The church isn't a take it or leave it endeavor. The church is meant to be where we operate in the gifts most fully so that we can make the biggest impact for his kingdom here on earth. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he has willed for us to have spiritual gifts. Now, I don't know where you stand when it comes to spiritual gifts, but here's what I know. You've either received them or you haven't. You're either using them or you're not. And what I don't want, I don't want any of you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out on this great adventure to be energized and excited and serving your God, your Lord, your Savior, and your Savior and your Creator. I don't want you to miss out on the joy of being used to change the lives of those around you. I don't want you to miss out on the impact that you can make, and I don't want you to miss out on the purpose for which you, you were created. I don't want you to miss out on any of that. So I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. And right now, where you're, where you're seated, if you would say, I know I'm missing out. I'm missing out because maybe I haven't received my gift. I'm missing out because I don't know what my gift is. I'm missing out because I'm not using my gift. Whatever it is, I don't, if that's you, and you say, I don't want to miss out anymore. Oh, I, I want the fullness that God has. And right where you are, I'm going to challenge you to just raise your hand and say, I want that. I want that. I want that. Whatever it is, I want to receive my gift. I want to discover my gift or I want to use my gift. Just have the courage right now to just raise your hand. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a couple songs. If you raised your hand, there's going to be prayer teams up here. If the prayer teams could just come right now, there's going to be prayer teams up here on either side. And as we sing these songs, if you would say, I want that filling of the Holy Spirit, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that second work of grace, I want to receive that gift. Maybe you've never received it before, then just ask right now. Let them pray with you and for you. Maybe you've received a gift, but you don't really know what it is. Just come and let them pray with you that God would open your eyes to understand what the gift is that he's given you. And if you have received a gift and you know what it is, but you have not had the courage to step out and use it, they'll pray that God would give you the boldness to begin to walk in that gifting because God has a great, great adventure, a great plan, and a great purpose for you, and it includes using those spiritual gifts. So I just want to invite you as these next songs are played, come forward, receive prayer, let the Holy Spirit move in your life like never before. Now let's stand together and worship God.